morning. Super excited that you're here today. Welcome if you're new. If you're surprised that's the pastor, I mean, I am too. I promise you that. God has called me out of the seats many years ago, just like you're sitting in to lead a church and to be part of the kingdom of God, and I'm super grateful. So I want to go back to the beginning of journey. The beginning that I feel was the day that set us into the beginning of our church. And it wasn't in the park, and it wasn't in my backyard. It was 10-10-10. Now, you guys think we were smart enough to plan that, but we're not. It just happened to be the next Sunday. Now, I want you guys to examine this because... Everybody's laughing because I was funny back then. And I'm just growing in my humor as we, as we grow in the kingdom of God. This is our first Sunday. And I believe this Sunday sets apart the church. And this was the day that we began. And here's why. Because we took an offering. Yeah, everybody gets quiet. What do you mean? <laughs> we took an offering that day. And for months, we were meeting at a tree. We were meeting in my backyard. We never really decided to take money. And the day that we took money, we believed this was the official day of the church because now we have money that God has given us. And now, what are we going to do with the money? Because me and Jeremy and my wife and Madison and all of us didn't know if we were worthy of getting paid. We just had a heart for Jesus Christ. And so what happened was, we received the offering, and my friend, do you guys know Heidi Case? Dude. We should give her a standing applause because she has been here from the beginning. And yeah, let's give her it up for Heidi. Now here's the thing, Heidi's actually counting the money with another person right now. So everybody say, hi, Heidi. And we're so grateful for Heidi because from that moment on, we came up with a principle. Maybe you guys remember that. If you're old enough, the Dave Ramsey principle was 80, 10, and 10. Do you remember that? It's changed a little bit. It's like 80, 30, 10, and 10 now, but it's changed. But this was a Dave Ramsey principle, and it was for households. And here's the principle. You are to live off 80%, you're to give 10%, and you're to save 10%. Now, we're a church. We don't necessarily need to give because we're receiving from God, but we decided we were going to do the same thing. And so let me give you an example. Uh, say you make 50000 Now, when I say that, some people are like, wow, what would it look like that $50,000? And others are like, how could you live off $50,000? So just have perspective here because some people are saying, I wish I had that. And other people are like, well, how do you live off that? It's $3,300 a month. And here's the thing. You take 40 of that and you live off that money. Tough to be hard. Or tough to do it in Southern California, but it's possible. Then you take... 5,000 of that dollars and you save it and then you take 5,000 of that dollars and you give it back to God. That's the principle. And so that day, day one, we took an offering and I don't know if you know Heidi, but she holds on to money. Yes, she, does. she grabs onto it and it's hard to let go and that's a good thing. So the reason why I'm bringing this up for the last 11 years, we've lived off this principle, and it's been awesome, incredible. We've saved hundreds of thousands of dollars. God has been so faithful and, and so powerful. He's really been the heart of this ministry, and the giving has been incredible. But then COVID came. And I'd love to say COVID is the issue. Everybody, let's blame COVID. Yeah, 
Let's blame COVID, or we can blame the politics, whatever you guys want to blame it in. This isn't the issue, because 2020, we had a great financial year. 2021, we had a great financial year. You know what happened? 2022, things kind of settled, and things started to change. And the only reason why I'm, I'm sharing this with you is we are no longer following that principle. And today, we're going to talk about the fear of money. Fear of possessions and the fear of money. And so we're not taking a special offering. I'm not asking for your money. But Jesus might talk to you in the middle of this sermon. So if you're new here, I don't know why you came today. But I know God has a reason for your heart. And so I believe the text today is going to be incredibly powerful. But here's the thing. As being one of the pastors of the church, and I, you know, listen, I, I, again, I'm, I'm going off script. I am not the lead or senior pastor of the church. You know who is? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is the lead pastor of this church. I'm one of the pastoral team, Jeremy and my sister Kim. We are just serving Jesus Christ, and he is the lead pastor. And we've committed to that from the beginning. And so now... As one of the pastors, I tend to kind of manage the, where the church is going and, and, and the council and the finances. And honestly, I worry because we're not living that 80-10-10. We're living at about 83, and we're not, give, we're not saving anymore, and we're giving out of our savings account to missionaries. And God has to do something in my heart. So if you're here today, this message is for me, and I hope you get something out of it. Jesus teaches so many times in the New Testament about possessions and money. Every six verses in the New Testament is about money or possessions. If we just went, if Jeremy just set us up, Jeremy does all the sermon series. If, if we just set up and went through Matthew all the, to way, all the way to Revelation, we would talk every six times about money. That's how important Jesus knew. And there's something that we have to grapple with. And here's what God said. Today we're going to talk about facing the fear of money. So I've got the color of green on just to remember this is our struggle, but I've got Jesus, Yeshua, as our Lord and Savior to cover all that that we struggle with. But here's what happened this week. I started praying, and I, you know, I'm, I'm worried and just doing all this, and, and God pointing me back to last week's scriptures. Can you guys stand? Now, I read the Bible really differently than maybe you do, and so I'm going to read this. I'm going to put the stuff up on the screen the way you see it, but I'm going to read the way I see it, Okay. I'm dyslexic, so if you're here, give it up for the dyslexic folk. But here's what it says. This is last week's scripture because it connects to this week. Here's what it says. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus looked for there's thousands of people around, and he looks to a few people, and he says, here, I'm going to speak to you about this. And here's what he says. Jeff, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens, Jeff. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns. For God feeds them. And can any, uh, all, uh, aren't you, Jeff, far more valuable than any of those birds? I struggle. Am I? Am I? Verse 25. Jeff, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? He says, no, it can take away. And he says, if your worry can accomplish a little thing like 
uh, adding to your life, he says, then why worry about bigger things like church finances? Jeff, look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet in all of Solomon's glory, was, not, was he not dressed as beautifully as they are? And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you, my son. Jeff, why do you have such little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things, Jeff, are dominated by thoughts of unbeliever, not a believer like you, my son, all over the world. But the Father already knows what you need. And seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. So as you're standing, let's pray. And now here's what I want you to pray. I'm not praying for you. You got to pray for yourself. It's time for you guys to start investing in the kingdom of God. Pray that God opens up your heart and pray that the Holy Spirit takes over right now. Let's pray. Father, hear our, hear our prayers, hear our hearts, open them. Holy Spirit, break down what needs to be broken down and claim what needs to be claimed. Use us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks. Go ahead and be seated. Hey, if you're online, we're excited that you're here. Celebrate. I hope you're jumping up and down in your living room or in your car or the bedroom or hopefully at Starbucks telling, God, telling everybody Jesus is the way. Now we lay, go into today's text. It's only three verses, and here's what verse 32 says. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom of God. Now, if you remember back in week one, my sister preached a message, and this is our memory verse. This one verse is what you need to leave. As we go through this 10 weeks of facing our fears, here's what you need to understand. This verse is a bridge to our possessions and our worry to our finances. And really, it's not about what I have in the bank. It's what I have in my heart that he's connecting to. And so that's what he's talking about. And so I love this verse, and it shouldn't be overlooked it seems like it's only a few words but it has so much and here's what it says to me again I'm just you guys are just in the room with my study and this is what God has been speaking to me all week about myself he says what does this really say fear not the King James the way I originally went I went to a King James seminary school really tough for a dyslexic guy with all the thou arts and the it's really hard but here's what it says, fear not, 145 times in the Bible it says fear not. It says, this says fear not, don't fear Jeff for you have no reason to be afraid. Didn't Jesus just teach you not to worry last week? So why worry today? You already know that, you already believe it and you know that God is bigger. And verse 32 shows us so much. Here's what it says, it says, 
Don't be afraid and look who God is. Do you see God there? In that verse, God has shown himself in three different ways. Jesus is teaching us about God in three different ways. Let me show you. The first one says, don't be afraid, little flock. What does little flock mean? If there's a little flock, there must be a, a shepherd. And so if we know that Jesus is teaching, we know that God is a good shepherd. And so the first sign we see that God is a shepherd there. The second time we see is it says, for it gives the father great happiness to give you the freedom. Now we have a father. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to give to my children when I have the ability to give. It's fun to give. It's fun to have a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or someone to share and give. I, I know Valentine's is up. Mark your calendars if you got a Valentine. If you don't, find a friend and give and bless. That's, it's fun. And so now he's saying, you've got this daddy, this Abba father, this dad, this father that wants to give. And so the, the kingdom of God or the, the God is part of like this dad to you. And then the last part is, if you have a kingdom, what rules a kingdom? The king. So in this verse, you see, don't be afraid, fear not, because you have a father in heaven, you have a good shepherd, and you have a king over the kingdom. And Jesus is trying to challenge us, hey, this is who you just worship to. The other thing I notice is really cool, it's a small flock. Too often we believe we need to have thousands of people in this big building and, the, you know, the cathedral ceilings and all of this, but it says, no, it's just a little flock. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. It's a little flock, and it's an unlikely flock. Jesus didn't pull from the Harvard uh, debate team. He went to the flunkouts like that went to Chico State. Thank you. He doesn't pull from the Yale lawyers. He doesn't pull from the Greek elite. He doesn't pull from the Jewish Sanhedrin, the leaders of the church. He takes this ragtag, bad news bear type group, and he says, I'm going to take this little flock. And you know what he says? This is my little flock. And I love my little flock. And it's really cool how he shows us. And so what is God saying to us? Generosity. God wants us to be generous. And God is generous to give us the kingdom. And we have a part in that. Do you realize that? So here's the first point of today's message. Just something you need to know. God is a giving God. And generosity is what? It's an attribute. It's a characteristic. And if you are built in his image and his likeliness, you should learn to have this gener generosity for most of us, including me, is something I have to learn. Some people are just naturally generous. I could think of about six or eight, ten people. The more that I look, 15 or 20. But some of us have to learn. So here's what I mean. God gives us life. Amen? Amen. And in that life, he generously goes way beyond what I think about in my life. He goes beyond my thinking. He goes beyond my ways. And let me give you some ideas of what that means. His grace and mercy is endless. Every time I need it, it's there. I never have to go, oh, does he have one more thing? What about his forgiveness? Every time I sin, my sins are forgiven, forgiven and washed away. It's endless. And the best part, his love. Whoa. Do you know what the Bible says about his love? It's enduring forever. It can't be washed. It can't be separated from us. It's, un, uh, it's always there, and you never have to worry about God's love. It means that God is generous in a thousand different ways. A thousand different ways. Are you excited? Good. And the beauty is his generosity endures forever. 
I love that. He's not like a human. All of us. I was going to say all of you, but I'm human too sometimes. And he says, he says, he's not like a human who's generous one day and then the next day he's like, ah, I'm passing by that homeless person or I'm not going to give. I don't feel generous today. That's what humans do. We're generous for the most part and then we kind of get a sour, I got something, but I'm done with those people. But listen to God. Let me just give you a proof text. There's tons of them. I just found out one that I like. It's a song that I learned to sing when God called me to become a missionary in Camarillo. Here's what it is. Psalm 36, verse 5 and 6. Listen to this. If you know the song, you could sing it. It says, your, uh, your love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. It's vast. I mean, think about heaven. All we can see is the cloud, maybe the sun. Man, the sun's far out there, and it's way beyond the sun. His love is far beyond anything that we can see. He says, your faithfulness, if you know the song, reaches to the sky. It's beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. I was blessed once to be uh, with my sister in Nepal, and we saw Annapurna, a humongous mountain. And if you've ever seen it, we sat for an hour just looking at this mountain one day going, whoa, incredible. His righteousness is like a mighty mountain. And then your justice, Lord, what is it? It's like the ocean deep depths. It's incredible. That's how generous God is. So what's our response? What are we supposed to do? Well, here's Jesus' words. Now listen, in my Bible, there's red letters. So this isn't Jeff's letters. This isn't our council. This isn't Heidi's letters or Jeremy or Kim or anybody on staff, Ashley, Tara, whatever. This is the red letters of Jesus Christ that we're reading, all of it. And here's what it says. Here's the response. We'll sell your possessions and give those in need. This will store up treasures in heaven. We'll see you next week. That's what it says. Welcome if you're new. Now listen, if you know the Greek, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beginner Greek guy. I've been doing this for 12 years, and I, you know, I got to go to uh, other people and other things to get to understand. But this is a command. It doesn't say... Well, if you feel like it and you've paid all your bills and you get your tax refund and you feel like you have enough, then give. It's not what it says. It's a command and it's a test on, are you a disciple? It's a test. Are you a disciple? Are you a follower of the way? Are you following Jesus or not? This is a test. It's a tool to, tra to train disciples like me and you, am I really following God? Because if I am, if I've been impacted, if I've been touched, if I'm in this kingdom of God, and if I believe in it, then there should be a response, and here's what he's challenging us. The response is to give to those that are in need. Now, here's what he's trying to say. There's an antidote or a cure to greediness, and it's giving, generosity. And here's, here's, here's the... Uh, the idea, if you look up greed and it says this, greed is a natural human instinct. From the beginning of time, we see greedy in the garden. We see greedy with Cain and Abel, right? You see greed, it's a human nature thing. And the antidote is giving and generosity. But what causes greed? Do you know that? It's that unmet, uh, deep, unmet emotional need. Do you realize that's what causes it? You've got this Grand Canyon, this hole inside of your heart. It's humongous. And I don't know about you, but for the first 33 years, I stuffed anything but God into that hole. And it just consumed it because I'm greedy. More, 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 more. 
And the truth is, the only way that I can get out of it is God met me. He put me on a timeout. We call that the California Department of Corrections. <laughs> to help cure with my greed. So he's telling me, so I'm so, sell all of my possessions. Yeah, look at your garage. Sell all of my possessions. Those things that belong to me. And then, you, then I can hear my friend Kirstie go, do they? Do they really belong to you? Do they? Or are they gifts from God? Aren't all your possessions a gift from God? Even if you don't believe it's still a gift from God, you just don't believe it's from a gift from God. So is it really yours or is it a gift from God? There is a heart check. You go to the doctor, they do an EKG. Sorry, I do all that stuff because I had a heart attack. They do all this stuff. This is a heart check today. Where's your heart? Is it in fear and anxiety and worry about my money and my finances and am I going to ever be able to retire or whatever or is there something else? Here's what he's saying. He's not telling you that the possessions are bad. He's not telling, there's another place in Matthew chapter 19 where he talks to the rich, rich young ruler and saying, sell everything and follow me because that guy's like, hey, I've done everything perfect. Well, when you say you've done everything perfect, you're probably full of poop and so he's like you want to be perfect you think you've done all the ten commandments nobody on earth has ever done them except Jesus Christ so maybe sell everything and follow me that's what he says that's not what he's saying here he's not saying your possessions are bad he's saying that if you don't have money to give to the kingdom of God or invest in the kingdom look at some of the possessions that you have and maybe let those go so that you can give to the kingdom invest into what he's doing because Americans we possess one-fifth of everything manufactured in the every year Do you realize that one-fifth other countries get nothing we have everything Amazon loves my house bring it in back it up I wait and go, hey, Joe, you're about seven minutes late. <laughs> Second thing you need to know, greed is a matter of the heart. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Everybody say it's a heart issue. I'm not telling you to say that because it's cute and it sounds good. If you're online, say it's a heart issue because it's a heart issue. It's human nature. Jesus is testing Christians' hearts today. And that hurts. It's like a stress test. I, I had a heart attack in 2016, 17, and I did a couple of services, and then my wife took me to the ER because I'm stupid. Um, and from that moment on, I've had to do these heart checks. And here's what I found out. Where my heart is, that's where God is or isn't. Here's what Jeremiah says, not Jeremy Case, but here's what Jeremiah says, 17, 9, and 10. Here's what it says. The human heart is the most deep, deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Thanks, Eve. Thanks, Adam. That could have stopped it all. But from that moment, the heart is wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? God. Why? The next verse answers it. Here's what it says. But I... The Lord search all hearts and examine all motives, and I will give people their due reward according to their feelings. It feels like I want to do this. No, to my actions. 
My heart is about actions, and that's what God wants to get to. So uh, my friend RJ, uh, I, I, I think he's here. Yeah, I see him. Hey, wife, beautiful wife's here. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he got installed as a pastor on Saturday to this church, church called Simply Church, and I was there. And he used this verse, and I remember talking as we were talking a couple of months ago as they were getting his, him and his wife for uh, premarital counseling. And this verse is so critical. There's a lot of important verses in the Bible that Jesus died and resurrected, the Gospels and some of the beautiful things, but there might be no more important verse than this next verse. And all I'm going to do is show you a picture. You're going to have to memorize it. It's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Write it down, Proverbs 4, but you'll know the verse. Here's what it says. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That might be the most important verse for a Christian today. As you're coming to church, guard your heart. Because it's going to determine where I'm going to be next week or next month or next year or where I'm going to be after church today. Jesus knows your heart. He knows you need help. He's not leaving you out to dry. He's not hanging you out saying, hey... You're on your own, son. He's like, no, guard your heart, and I promise you, your life will be led to a, 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 a more beautiful place. He knows our heart is wicked. He knows we have a sin nature. He knows we have a motive deep within us, and he examines that, and he looks at our motives. Last week, we talked about him looking at our appetite. Man, a nice porterhouse in this world sounds good. What's that going to get you, Jeff? You've already had a heart attack. Why don't you do the vegan thing? <laughs> You're welcome, you guys. He's trying to help you grow. God's trying to help you grow. So look at what it says. Let me tell you exactly what it says. If you can go back to that, uh, that picture again, it says, sell your possessions and give those in need, and this will store up your treasures in heaven. Just look at the key words here. Here's the key words. Give, and you will store up treasures in heaven that's what he's saying all the other words sell your possession he's like no give and you will store up treasures in heaven that's what our response is what are we to do we're to give so that we can accumulate in heaven listen any who wants to retire one day praise god if you don't put something in retirement, there's a good chance you're going to be like me. And, you know, hopefully Jeremy will let me work here when I'm about 92. And uh, I got to start giving and putting aside. And if I'm putting aside for myself, that 80-10 principle says, you also got to put into the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus saying here? Hold your possessions loosely. I don't know, I got a whole garage full of stuff. Recently, my kid moved out, and I'm like, take all this stuff. I don't want any of it. Just hold it loosely, let it go. And if you can sell and give it away, then do it. That's what he's saying, hold him. And why? Because he giveth and he taketh away. In the book of Job, chapter 1, Jesus or God says, hey, have you seen my boy Job? Man, that guy is awesome. He's got a heart of integrity. And Satan goes, really? Let me jack him up a little bit. Takes his kids. Let me jack him up a little bit more. Takes all his possessions. And at the very end, here's Job's response. He's lost everything. Except the wife that basically says a little bit later, why don't you just die, Job? <laughs> They're still in marriage counseling today up in heaven. <laughs> Man, if I just focused one day, I would be a good pastor. I promise you. 
<laughs> Thank you. It's comedy hour, right? Here's what it says. Here's what Job says. I came naked from my mother's womb. You remember that day? No. But that's where I came from. And I will, uh, I will be naked when I leave. You might have a suit on or something, just so it's not embarrassing. <laughs> the Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord taketh away. Praise be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so what am I to do? Uh, you, if you're clapping, you should have all kinds of possessions on eBay by the end of the service today. Yeah, there's one clap there going, okay, I got something. Everybody else laughs, and it's like, no, you got, this is what it says. So here's the third point. Now, first of all, he giveth and he taketh away is this. It's a principle. Job chapter 1, verse 21 should be in your Bible highlight. It's a principle of life. Realize this, that he's going to give you stuff, and he's going to take it away. That's just how it is. And if you don't believe that and you hate that about God, well, he's telling you that's true. So if you don't like it, that's on you, but it's still true. So here's the third thing you know, need to know. Don't be afraid to give to God. And I could give you all the best tithing sermon. Oh, cheerful giver, test him on this. But listen, don't be afraid to give to God. Because why? Because God's generous. And he wants to test you. He wants to see, are you there? Is your heart actually alive? Is it well? He says this, remember verse 32, don't be afraid, little flock. It gives the Father great pleasure, great happiness to give you the kingdom of God. God is generous. If it gives you great pleasure, if it gives God great pleasure, and if we are built in his image, and if we are built in his likeness, shouldn't give us great pleasure to give to the kingdom too? I mean, I'm just asking. I'm just reading the text and going... If this is who I am, if I'm built and I'm part of the little flock and I want to please God and I want to honor God, is this not what he's asking me? And then in verse 33, this verse has a second part, and here's what it says. The purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. I like that. Your treasures will be saved. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. It's, he's talking about the container of where you store it. In America, you know where we store it? Fort Knox. I've always believed Fort Knox was the safest place because it had all the money and gold back. Uh, I, I show you a little picture of what my treasure trove looks like. This is just my little safe right there. Hey, seek first the kingdom of Jeff. So in our, in our society, we're like, I was always taught Fort Knox is the toughest place to get into, right? Well, it still needs to be updated. And with all this crypto and cyber stuff, nothing's safe in this world. That's what he's saying. It is a place where no one can steal or no one can destroy. Jesus is saying heaven can't ruin your giving or your, 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 your tithing or your gift because of inflation. Nobody likes inflation. But if you put it in heaven, inflation can't wreck it. If you put it in heaven, time won't ruin it. And if you put it in heaven, no one, not even Satan, can steal it because it's safe. So here's the meditation of my heart. I'm sitting there reading, going, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And I hope you guys are getting something out of this. This is just me and God speaking today uh, to, to each other, and uh, hopefully he's speaking louder. My meditation as I read this verse is, me and my heart are just an earthly vessel. 
It's all I really am. And if, if you know the ver earthly vessel, it's what inside that's valuable. It's not the earthly vessel. So I'm an earthly vessel, and if I trust in Jesus, my vessel then has value because now I have eternal life. And if my life and soul are secure in heaven, waiting. If my life and my soul feel good and I want to say a prayer and I want to go to heaven, so shouldn't I invest as well in heaven? That's what Jesus is telling us. My possessions will be safe in heaven. My life will be safe in heaven. And he's asking, why don't you invest in the kingdom of God? Well, um, I was challenged to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God. I think I've only done this once before, but let me tell you a little bit about what the kingdom of God is. Because sometimes we don't really have a good definition. Seek first the kingdom of God. Give to the kingdom. Well, what is the kingdom of God? I, I got a slide. Let's look at it real quick. And all of this is on your app. If you have a journey app, you can get all the slides. My brother, Manny, always like, who's preaching? What is those slides? And he's like, if there's no tacos, Jeff isn't preaching, you know. But we have an app and all the slides are. But here's what the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of heaven and God? Heaven and God are the same. They're synonymous. They're interchangeable. The first part, it's a three-part answer. The first part of the kingdom of God is this. It's the eternal rule of God whose sovereignty has all power and authority over all of the universe from heaven and, and the center of the earth and back. He has this macro. It's this large, big thing. He's in charge over everything. Heaven and earth and everything in between. And Romans 13, and I, you know, I don't like to talk about other churches, but I promise you this, this verse has been misquoted for the last couple years several times. And I'm not pointing out anything you need to go on. If you don't believe me, look it up, look in the Greek and see. This verse tells us who God is. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. For all authorities come from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Why? I have no idea. And I'm not saying politically one way or other. I'm just saying that all the leaders in the world, they've been placed there by God. He has a specific plan and a reason. So that's number one. The second thing is I love this about God. He's intimate. Intimate. He loves this intimate word. He loves intimacy. And the second one is the kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those that willingly submit to the authority of God. Now, not only is he global, worldly, he's in this macro, he comes into this micro. Jeff, man, if you submit, you're intimately in it, and I'm in the kingdom of God because I put my heart in Jesus Christ. Listen to what Colossians chapter 3 says, let the peace of Christ Rule in your heart, since you're a member of one body, you are called to peace and to be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule because he has a personal reign over me as well as this world. And the last one is this. The third part is this. There's a literal rule of Christ on earth. Jesus is coming back. Come back now. Maranatha, let's see it right now. Let's go and let's celebrate Jesus as he comes back right now. Maybe we'll wait until the worship. Did you guys think about Jesus coming back today? I hope he does. Thank you, my friend. Actually, my brother. I hope Jesus comes back right now. Why? It brings this, and Daniel tells this, but just because of time, I'm going to move on. Why? Here's what verse 34, this is the last verse today. I still got some words to say, but here's what it says. Wherever your treasure is... There the desires of your heart will be. 
If the kingdom of God is it, that's where your heart's going to be. If the kingdom of Jeff is it, or your spouse, or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or your relationship, or your 401k, or your job, if that's it, that's where your heart's going to be. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Fourth point, your heart guides your life, good or bad. The Bible says that my heart is wicked, so if I don't do anything, this wicked heart is going to lead me to a wicked life. But if I input God into the wickedness, I have a potential to get beyond that. Guard your heart above all else, for the Lord determines the course of your life. If you've been impacted by God, if you've been radically touched by God, maybe you haven't read the full Bible, maybe you don't know and memorize Bible verses, but those that have been radically touched by God, they're looking at it saying, praise God, I love the kingdom of God. Some of us have been Christians, we were just praying about this this morning, have been Christians for years, and they've rejected being touched by God because there's a wall blocking us from fully submitting to the kingdom of God so that you can be filled with the heart, mind, and soul of Jesus Christ and watch your life washed clean and changed forever so if I'm guarding my heart and my my heart is wicked the heart is an emotional barometer of joy who cares if I have treasures of this world I got a new phone look at how many cameras I got envy things useless Verizon, actually I have T-Mobile. T-Mobile tells me I get a new phone, my life is going to be perfect. (laughs) Until the bill comes. Who cares if I have these treasures? So here's the point. If your treasures are vulnerable, isn't your joy vulnerable? I mean, that's what we're saying here. But if my treasure is secure, then don't you think my joy then will be secure? That I can walk through anything because he giveth and he taketh away. And I'll still be able to praise the Lord. It's not easy. It's not fun. But it doesn't mean it's not my joy. Thanks, buddy. If your heart is about this. Okay, so this one's going to sing. We're going to get out of here in just a few minutes. But if your heart is about kids, family, jobs, money, homes, school, you know, whatever. That's where your treasure's gonna be. And everything I said in my family, me and Liz are here, you can attest to that, are super important to us. My kids are important, my spouse, super important, my house, super important, my car. Yeah, preach it, brother. And all those are important, but they can all be taken away from me. And then my joy is vulnerable and it all goes out the window. He giveth and he taketh away. So I need to secure myself in something bigger, anchor my heart into God and sell things so that the kingdom of God will be blessed. If Jesus and the kingdom of your treasure, then you will be safe and secure once and for all. Our our giving to the kingdom of God, our giving confirms that we are a part of this little flock, that we are part of the king's kingdom that we are made in his image the fatherly image so why wouldn't we want the same pleasure as the father does by giving so what's the application 
last week's in close. Jeff, seek the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And he will give you everything that you need. Hallelujah. So how do you seek the kingdom of God? You got to invest. So let me roll through this quick because I want to worship God. You guys ready to worship? Yeah. All right. So the last few minutes of the message is always the critical part because this is when God starts to take your heart and decide and you're going to choose lunch over Jesus Christ. You're gonna choose a topper's line or in and out. I just wanna pick up because my friends go to toppers all the time. In and out, Yolanda's. Or are you gonna choose Jesus Christ? So how do I do that? I gotta invest and when I invest, something happens. It's like God opens up my heart and I start to see the kingdom in so many ways and I start, start to see the kingdom, not because I have to do anything or earn anything, it's just I start to see the kingdom manifest in so many beautiful ways. So how do we do it? Here's seven things. First of all, give to the church. Let's be honest. Jesus loves his church just like uh, we're to love the church. It's his bride. So I'm going to be honest to give. I was part of Ashley's, um, you can give money, time, and talent. I was part of Ashley's uh, uh, Kids Rock, Little Rocker, Baby Rocker meeting this week, and I was able to talk to some of the teachers and say this. If you invest in Kids Rock or Little Rockers, or Kim was talking about junior high or high school, every salvation, every baptism, every miracle that happens is accredited to you because you're watching and blessing someone's kid. They're part of every blessing by serving in the kids' ministry. And we believe that's super important in this church. We believe in this next generation because this generation's jacked up. <laughs> Secondly, give to missionaries. I got a friend of mine right here. He's awesome. Pastor Willie has been such a blessing to have you in this church this week. I have a missionary heart. My sister was on the mission field for 14 years, and I... You never know. She might be heading out. Preach it, brother. And so give the missionaries. Every missionary that we give to at this church has been at church teaching or singing or something. Every missionary that we have that we give to every month and every time you give, 10% of that money goes to missionaries. Give to missionaries. You can go outside of us. You can give through us. Give because they're out walking away from their family saying, I believe the kingdom is more valuable to press into. And it's incredible, so we honor that. Number three, give or volunteer to Christian organization. I know my friend Cindy's at the Pregnancy Center, but we have Gabriel's House, we have Lighthouse, we have the Rescue Mission, we have James Storehouse. There's all kinds of organizations. Invest in that. Uh, give someone a Bible in prison. What if somebody didn't pay for that Bible I got when I was locked up? Where would I be? Strung out in San Francisco, probably. But somebody bought a Bible, and it was there. And we forget 
give to the orphans, give to the, the widows, and give to those that are locked up. And that's what the Bible says in Isaiah 58. How about disciple another person? Ew, that's messy. People, they're jacked up. Nah, skip. Let's go to the next one. Disciple. Disciple. Take another person and walk with them. It's messy, but it's beautiful. Give to the homeless. I'm going to give you a quick tip. I got to get out of here. If you don't like giving money, get a 12 pair of socks. Socks are gold. If you're homeless, get socks. Put them in your car. Get a bottle of water. Get a snack bar. But I guarantee you, if you give someone that's homeless a pair of socks, it is like a million dollars. Have you ever walked in the same socks for a week and they get crusty and disgusting? Give them socks. All right, move on. The last one is to go help Christians going to camp, retreats, and mission trips like Costa Rica. We're going to go to Uganda and see my brother, and uh, we're going to celebrate with Brian and Molly. Thanks for watching us, guys. So what do we do to close? It says, so don't be afraid, little flock. We're just a little flock. You online, you're part of that little flock. We're just a little flock. For it gives the Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. So as we close today, I just want to put the four points up. God is generous. We're a little flock, but God is so powerful in this little flock. And I don't know about you, but I feel the Holy Spirit. I feel it working and moving, breaking down walls, opening up hearts, opening up eyes. So the first one is give because it's an attribute of God. The second one is let that greed go. We got a prayer team that's going to pray. Let that greed go. It's holding you back, I promise you. You might be a Christian for 10 or 15, 20, 30 years, but the greed sometimes stops us. And finally, don't be afraid to give. If God's generous, I promise you, he's not going to hold you back. Number four says, your heart guides your life, good or bad. Where your heart is, that's where your treasures are. Father, we love you and we praise you. Thanks for ministering to me today, Lord Jesus. Thanks for breaking down the walls of a stubborn, greedy heart. And I pray that the power of your spirit grow us right now. If there's someone here online or outside that doesn't know Jesus, needs to recommit, all you got to say is a simple prayer. It goes like this. Father, forgive me. Come into my life. Become my Lord and Savior. You died on the cross for me. And you rose three days later so that I may have eternal life. Take my mind, body, and soul, Holy Spirit, and teach me how to walk with you in obedience from now until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's worship God today.